everybody. It's Dirty Thursday. Welcome to GFBS. We are Graham Fork's best source, open wheel racer, Presley Truitson. Joining us on the show today, man, I am keyed up. By the way, your show today brought to you by Thunder Rays Auto Repair. Yeah, there's a new auto repair shop in town. Thunder Rays Auto Repair. Thunder Rays doing it all. General auto repair, oil changes and maintenance, brakes and suspension, fuel and ignition diagnostics, engine and tranny work. And you know what, Thunder Rays? They love working on hot rods and old muscle cars. It's kind of like their forte. And you're not going to drop dead when you get the bill either. Call or schedule an appointment online. Or call 701-757-0287 or go to thunderrays.com and check out Thunder Rays Auto Repair on Facebook. Got a great Facebook page. Yeah, there's a new auto repair shop in town, Thunder Rays Auto, 2315 North Washington Street in Grand Forks. Check it out next time you need some work done on that old jalopy, all right? Uh, if you got any questions or comments, you want to text into the show today, our phone number here at the studio is 701-213-0863. Again, 701-213-0863. Time now for our daily segment called Jokes My Neighbor Tells Me. Here we go. Jokes My Neighbor Tells Me. You know, my wife says I never listen to her, which is kind of weird because I've never heard her say that. <laughs> And Paul, the producer's not here, so uh, what do you think of that one, Paul? I think that's phenomenal. Huh? That's your best one that you've done. <laughs> the best one that I've done. I bet you somebody at my house isn't going to agree with that one. Uh, before we get going, before we start the full interview here, um, I do want to mention it was 20 years ago today that we lost Dale Earnhardt, uh, my favorite ever NASCAR racer. And also, before we get on with this interview, uh, I want to mention the, uh, the county commission. They had their hearing again the other night. And I tell you what, uh, what's so funny about it is when you listen to some of these commissioners, they say, oh, there's lots of stuff going on at River City Speedway this year. Well, really, nothing was mentioned until uh, we did it on Grand Fork's Best Source. So thank you, those county commissioners that are still hiding in their basement. Uh, at least maybe they're watching our show. But I, get a, I really get a kick out of uh, Commissioner Knopf. Uh, I think she really likes to hear herself talk. Uh, and, it, and it's a lot of, well, well, so, so, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, and another one, uh, Commissioner Falk, I don't know if you've even come out of your basement in the last year, but um, you know what? Uh, they're going to keep things as of now to what they did at the end of last year, which is uh, a big bucket of crap, if you ask me, but uh, they're going to make a decision coming up in March. Uh, Bob Ross, you are still my buddy, though, and uh, that's just what I had to get off of my chest. Um, some of those county commission meetings, I tell you what, they are really, really boring. Uh, anyway, let's get back to the show. Presley Truitson, welcome. How are you? It's a matter of time before I finally got to talk to you. I'm good. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Um, you guys made the trip from Kennedy, which isn't an easy thing to do, and we sure appreciate having you down here. Yeah, that's awesome. It's good to be back in Grand Forks. I haven't been here in a while. <laughs> um, I, what I do want to ask you first off is tell us about Presley Truitson, when you're not strapped into a race car. What else do you do? Where are you from? All that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm 19. I'm from Kennedy, Minnesota originally, which is about an hour north of Grand Forks. And I guess I wouldn't be your average teenage girl to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think far from it. Yeah, I, uh, I actually just moved from, I was living in Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, me, but uh, they're going to make a decision. Coming it's up uh, pretty cool to... Um, be able and be traveling. I live in Brownsburg, Indianapolis now, and I guess I'm trying to be somewhat of a normal kid, I guess, yeah, if you could yeah. say that. So uh, are, are you living on your own down yeah. there doing this stuff? Yeah, I'm living on my own, right, in kind of the heart and center of, I guess, the racing world in Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, what's Dad think about you being on your own down there? I think... I think he misses me a little bit at home. You hope? <laughs> I hope so. I think it's also nice for me to be gone and be away and mm -hmm. get to be kind of starting my own life now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's awesome to hear. Um, I want to know, how did you get your start in racing? Give us the whole, the whole history of Presley Truitson in a race car. Uh, it actually started right here in Grand Forks at the uh, go-kart track. I actually never had any intentions of racing it mm -hmm. just it kind of happened that my dad was a racer he was racing in grand forks and he was racing late models and i'm sure as many people know joey peterson they're uh they're good buddies and his kids were racing go-karts and so they were good friends and joey's just like hey you know 
my kids are doing this go-kart thing and it's really fun for families on Wednesday nights. It's very, very low key, very fun, just fun thing to do in Grand Forks to be a part of. And so that's kind of how it got started was I went and actually, I think I ran Kelsey's cart for the first time, just made some practice mm-hmm. laps and it was just a fun thing for the whole family to be a part of. And that's kind of how we got started into racing. And, you know, you did fairly well in a go-kart too. Uh, do you even remember all the things you won in a go-kart? Cause <laughs> I, I was, I was looking at uh, some of your social media stuff and I was going to start writing things down, but the list was just way too damn long. <laughs> I think, honestly, those are probably some of my favorite memories of my childhood. Just everything that you got exposed to, you know, just being there as a family and getting to spend a lot of time with, you know, so many kids your age that you never otherwise would meet. And also just the fact that it brought me a lot of opportunity to travel and get to see parts of the country that I probably never would have. And I met some of the great, I mean, I have lifelong friendships because of this just Mm -hmm. getting to meet new people and do all that and getting to uh actually drive i remember larry Killam. he is probably one of my favorite people ever i got to uh go and drive for him and just be a driver for him in um newton iowa and get to go to a new track and get to i mean see my heroes race at knoxville and man it was just such a fun time getting to travel and do all that I wouldn't trade it for the world. And you were how old at this time? Oh gosh, I was probably 11 or 12. Wow. I, 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 I can't say that I would do anything else, but also at, when you're 11, you don't know any different. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you don't know until you look back on it and man, those are just some of the best times. And you know, we talk a lot about this on dirty Thursdays, um, how racing is a family. Um, even if you don't get along with somebody and maybe you had you had it out one night at the track, um, it, it's still, when it's all said and done, that's really a good part about it. Uh, you don't see that as in many sports. Um, but racing, it seems like if you need help, another team will help you. Or if another team needs help, you might jump in and help. But it, it, it's really cool how that works, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I think, I honestly, for people listening who may not know a lot about racing or really anything, but, you know, just know about the track and Grand Forks and know that. That would be me. (laughs) (laughs) There is such a community, even outside of Grand Forks, all around the country. Somehow, you know, I run into someone in Charlotte, North Carolina, and they know Mark Dobmeyer. They know Mm -hmm. someone from up here. And I think just all the people you get to meet, even just at the track in Grand Forks, it really is a community. And at the end of the day, someone's in the pit area with a flat tire. There's a whole bunch of different teams jumping in to help. And I think that just kind of goes to show that you're a family, even if you're not from the same area or you don't really Mm -hmm. know anybody, but everyone seems to be really welcoming. And it's always fun to just get into a sport where that might not happen in basketball or football or or hockey. Yeah. Yeah, It's like you walk out of that rink, you're enemies. Oh yeah. You know, And, and I can't wait to, Go and kick your butt again. <laughs> well, not to mention that uh, what you do, I think, sounds way more fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I <laughs> so. think so. Uh, I want to give a shout out to some of the people watching. Uh, let's see. Uh, Taco Bravo Racing is watching. Uh, thanks, Daniel. Bill Olson. Hello, Bill. Todd. Uh, hello from Indiana. John and Presley. That'd be Todd Adams. John Beergard, of course, always watching. Okay, now we fast forward. Uh, when did you decide that maybe it was time to take the next step? beyond carts um that actually started as a bet um, between a bet a bet yeah my dad had an employee dexter de Bergstein, who mm-hmm. is very prominent in the lightning sprints if anything I, i'm still i'm still trying to beat him yeah he's got a few championships i wish i could beat him in <laughs> but uh no the bet started out that dexter in his first race with a lightning sprint that they were joking that I could beat him. I would finish better in my first lightning sprint race. And one way or another, that actually happened. And not that by any means I was done with go-karts or too mm-hmm. grown for go-karts, but we were just, we'd been doing it for so long and we had traveled so much and gotten to kind of do everything that we wanted to do. And this was also something that was, you know, racing in Grand Forks and racing around tracks that, we had gone to and so we were kind of just like why not let's let's do it let's let's try that 
and uh it it went pretty well and at like anything in racing you're kind of hooked and that was the next step where we're like yeah this is gonna be really fun this is not even a community this is a family that mm-hmm. we'll all kind of travel together and you get to be a part of and it was just a great environment super fun and for us, we were just like, heck yeah, you have to do it. And, you know, back years ago, the lightning sprints, there were so many different types and kinds of cars. They really didn't have, I don't think, the, the greatest sanctioning body or whatever. But, boy, has that changed. Uh, the lightning sprints, I mean, I got to admit, I love it. I, I wish they were at River City Speedway more uh, because I'm kind of a, well, I like them. Um, but they've really turned things around there. Um, a lot of people are... are I mean, it's great racing. It's a great time. Do you still own a Lightning Sprint? Um, I don't know if we still really own one with the whole border situation. Mm-hmm. Um, Murray Temple, he was trying to get back into racing, and he uh, he knew that we were fast with this last Henchcraft that we had, and uh, it's still sitting there ready to go. But <laughs> it's you know, they're with racing and the border not being open. Who knows if that can even happen for a lot of people in Canada, which is it's really sad. You oh, know, it's you sad. Know. And there, and there, there's more. Uh, oh, yeah. It sounds like they're they're even doing more now. It's like, yeah. you know, I, I live in Minnesota. Well, you live in Minnesota. Uh, and how many times I've asked Governor Walls to grab his ears and pull really hard. But tell you what, Mr. Trudeau up there, up north, um, I have a ton of Canadian friends up there. And a bunch of them are watching the show now. Yeah. And they all feel the same way. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's sad to lose such a huge part of your field just mm-hmm. because they can't cross the border and you know, what do you do without those cars? It's yeah. It and then they should hard. really, they should really make exceptions to that. You know, right. I mean, if you're a race or something, you know, be able to get a, some type of pass or, oh, yeah. or T- something. TJ Kennedy is try. He's been trying for over a year now. Oh yeah. I see, you know, he posts about it quite a bit, things that he's tried and whatnot, and they just haven't been able to. And, you know, it, it just, it's a really a bummer for everybody. Cause you just, end up missing out on a lot of that Mm -hmm. and uh not only the race car drivers but the fans uh the canadian fans Uh, it's funny you know i always thought they were crazy with hockey uh then i did the world curling tournament and they're rabid (laughs) and then you get to dirt track racing and they are phenomenal um some of my uh, my best friends as far as the fans that are at the racetrack every week they're the canadians and ah man i miss the hell out of these people uh they were like the highlight of my Friday night as I'd start walking to the pits, walk through little Canada, and you'd get stopped by 5, 10, 18 different people. John, come on in, have a drink. Come and try this food. Come in. And they've turned into being lifelong friends, and, and I can't wait until the border opens up again. Uh, let's see here. Speaking of Canadians, William, uh, I remind you that U.S. border is closed to us, too. Yeah, we, yep, yep, yep. Um, and it sucks. Um, okay. Fast forward. You were in a lightning sprint. What was next? Did you do the midget thing or did you get into the big? Okay. Okay. Tell us about how the whole midget thing got going. Well, so the whole lightning sprint um, thing was that I was racing for EMI as the head company Mm -hmm. and they manufacture lots of different chassis, um, sprint car chassis, midget chassis, lightning sprints, micro sprints, which if you don't know a lot about racing, it's just different types of cars with different engines. And what I had been doing was racing um, a lightning sprint for Rick Hench, who Mm -hmm. was the producer of the Henchcraft chassis. Yep, yep. probably the best lightning chassis out there, aren't they? (laughs) I'm a little biased, so I would say yes. Others would disagree. Mm -hmm. But uh, built a great relationship with Rick, and he really was a mentor. And, I mean, I can't thank him enough for that. I mean, I... There is so much knowledge that I learned from him that I'll take with me forever. And he had also worked a little bit on a midget chassis. And so what had happened was they produced a midget chassis, and I ended up um, getting together with Zach Dom. And mm-hmm. he was racing their chassis, which um, there aren't a lot of EMI chassis out there racing. And so for us, it was really cool to be able to kind of transition from something that is very similar to a lightning sprint in the chassis aspect. They're pretty much the same. You sit the same in them just with a different motor, Mm -hmm. same tires, but a lot of the same, you know, components of it. And to be able to be in something that was so different in a world that I knew nothing about, you know, you hear about 
NASCAR drivers like Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell, Chase Briscoe, all these guys, and they're racing the Chili Bowl. And I'm thinking, huh, well, the Chili Bowl is really cool. If I had any wish in my life, it would just be to race the Chili Bowl. So at the time, I didn't know much about racing otherwise. You know, you don't have hardly any non-wing racing up mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm. We're kind of just getting exposed yep. to it with different clubs and whatnot. And so it's really cool to be able to step into that world and go, wow, there's a whole other world of racing out here that I did not even know about. And for anyone who doesn't know the Chili Bowl, the Chili Bowl is like the Daytona 500 it of is, yeah. racing. It, it's been on my bucket list forever. It is. It's a bucket list for anybody, whether you're a spectator, a driver, just to be there. Obviously, this year it was different with mm-hmm. all the regulations and whatnot. And, you know, you have a limited capacity. But for so many people for many, many years, it is one of the coolest of any sporting event to really go to and just get to be a part of. Mm-hmm. There's, it, the atmosphere is like nothing else. It is so super cool. First time you show up at the Chili Bowl, was it like, holy crap, this I, is crazy. I had actually, I made the, I made the deadline for the age. I was 16. I had turned 16 I, probably five days previously. So I was probably the youngest person in the building racing and to be there and just know very little about midget racing in general, except a couple big names that you would hear on, you know, Sunday on TV, Mm -hmm. you're watching NASCAR and going, man, am I really about to race against these guys? You know, knowing nothing about it. It's something that you, as a kid, you've dreamed of your whole life. You know, like those are my heroes. I'm, I'm racing. It's my heroes. And to be able to kind of do that in a way that, you know, in basketball, not many people get to play against their Michael Jordan. Sure, sure. So to be able to do that in and of itself, that for me was a dream come true. It was something so cool that, you know, a kid from Kennedy, Minnesota, you, yeah. that's, that's your dream. Yeah, no kidding. You know, that's, how, how big of a, a jump was it or, or how different was it going from a lightning sprint you know, you got the wings on them and everything, and then going to a midget, uh, you got a bigger motor, no wings, same tire. How big of a step was that? Was it a big learning curve for you? Is is there a big difference in power? Completely opposite, actually. I wish I had known nothing because then I wouldn't know any bad habits, per yep. se, in the fact that they're just, when you have non-wing, it's completely opposite of having a wing. It's You want wheel spin. You want a lot of horsepower. Mm-hmm. You want to be turning all the time. and in a wing sprint car, you want to be as locked down as possible. You want to be really smooth, just really controlled with everything you do. Still driving hard, the same as a non-wing car, but completely opposite in the fundamentals. And for to go from that, and then especially from a lightning sprint where you don't really have any wheel spin and you don't, you're pretty locked down, especially with a wing. And having never raced non-wing before in my life ever, to be able to go from that and then. You want a lot of wheel spin. You know, a midget has a lot of power. Mm-hmm. It it was a learning curve for sure. It was, I knew it was going to be. I didn't, it was everything I expected it to be. But man, it just, when you get to go down south and race race against those guys, it's a whole different caliber. I mean, this, <laughs> not to say it's nice guy racing up here, but it's just a different level of aggression. And if you don't, capitalize on an instant you're probably not going to have another chance you know just it really exposes you to a different way of racing you know when you showed up uh, let's just use a chili bowl for example uh like you mentioned you were probably the youngest driver there uh not to mention being a girl were you treated any differently did did did, did people go who's this kid not really i think for the most part at chili bowl it's crazy because you're racing against 300 people yeah. you're you know it's 300 people and they're whittling it down to about 24 people. Mm-hmm. And that's crazy to think about because, you know, a lot of the chili bowl is luck. If you have bad luck right off the start, it's very hard to catch up. Even if you're super talented, you, you need a lot of luck with chili bowl. And I think to be in there and I, you know, you go in thinking, well, I'm just one of 300, you know, I'm just going to do the best I can because realistically I'm not going to, ma- there's no chance of me making this race. And to be able 
to race against them and go, hmm, you know, there's 300 people here, but yet somehow it's kind of the same 24 guys Mm -hmm. every year. It's the best of the best. You know, they're pulling drivers from IndyCar and NASCAR. It's all different forms of racing. You know, they have um, Austin Proc. He does drag racing. You know, they're pulling great drivers from all aspects Mm -hmm. of motorsports. And to kind of just, it's a bit overwhelming to kind of step into that building so young and never having really been exposed to it. You don't have high expectations for Mm -hmm. it. I mean, you do, but also at the same time, you have to be a little bit realistic about that. And I think just getting to be there and be a part of it for me was enough. Just being there and getting to meet everybody that, you know, you hear about, but you never actually get to maybe compete against or get to talk with. And that was really, for me, it was just about exposing myself to that. Having never been being able to do that. Um, you know, it's funny because you talk about a lot of cars being there. Um, you, you, you know, you hear of uh, B mains and C mains. I think they got like a W main there. <laughs> I mean, there's like, and if, if you're working your way up, I mean, you could be on the track how many times over that week or whatever it is. Yeah. So actually one of, one of my um, friends, Jason McDougal, they, they have what's called alphabet soup. So for the chili bowl, there are so many drivers that you get, um, They have each prelim night, you race your prelim night, and basically how you finish, you know, maybe you finished in a B main of that night. Then after all of the nights combined on Saturday, it's all one day of racing. Mm -hmm. And so for that, if say you're in the H main, well, they take, you know, top two from each main until you get all the way to the letter A. And there's, it's obviously farther than an H main, but it's alphabet soup. There's Mm -hmm. so many letters of each main. And so basically you just have to keep racing your way up and finishing in however the top many transferring mm-hmm. positions is. And so you end up having a tally of how many cars you've passed throughout the whole thing. And Jason McDougal last year, he, he put, or I guess this year, technically he put on a show. He, uh, I think he ended up passing 69 cars. Um, I think he tied JJ Yaley for the most cars ever passed in a chili bowl. And for people who maybe don't know J.J. Yaley, oh, yeah. he's, it's just like one of those things where you're kind of witnessing history and you go, wow, well, I'm seeing something that people are going to talk about for a really long time. Cause obviously, the only other person to ever do that is also someone who's very well known. And it's just really cool to kind of be able to witness that and have to realize, wow, I'm watching history in the making. Man, that this is so cool. Um you started getting exposure. Uh, that led to the uh, Toyota thing, TRD, Toyota, what's TRD stand for? Toyota, Toyota Racing, Racing Development. Development. Yep. How did that all come about? Really, the whole thing started with um, Toyota getting into the midget scene with um, Kyle Larson, was actually their first. And once again, they kind of ended up losing him in Cup. You know, he mm-hmm. got taken from a different manufacturer and I think they kind of realized, well, we'll, we'll never make that mistake again. You know, we're, we have Christopher Bell coming up. And um, for people who don't know, Keith Koontz is um, a midget team. Mm-hmm. And basically, he, he is developing the next racers for Toyota. Whether or not they end up racing for Toyota, but that's just kind of the pipeline. You know, from dirt midgets where... It had just been Tony Stewart, Jeff Gordon, yep. all of these great drivers coming from dirt and then dominating in NASCAR. I think a lot of the manufacturers realized, you know, we're onto something here. These dirt drivers are producing great drivers. If they can succeed on dirt, they obviously can do well in asphalt. And so for Toyota, they produce um, a Toyota midget engine and they've really put a lot back into the sport as far as development. You know, they're putting money into races and mm-hmm. money into developing all sorts of drivers and whatnot. And they, they do a race called the KKM give back classic, which is now micro sprints. And then it was, um, outlaw carts. So it's just really cool to see like how different manufacturers are kind of getting into that Ford, They're obviously doing a little bit of development. They have their own, um, Chevy, they have their own development. Mm-hmm. Every manufacturer kind of has their own way of developing drivers. Yeah, research and, and development. I mean, you yeah. you you, you want to develop and, and research 
your goods that you're selling to the public and you do that the best way by the racetrack. Yeah, exactly. And obviously I've only been with Toyota, so I can only speak to Mm -hmm. what their development is as far as um, their way of going about it. But yeah, basically they, they have, I, it's a whole separate world when you get into that and I could talk about it for hours and hours, but basically um, Charlotte, um, North Carolina is kind of their headquarter as far as, it's the headquarter kind of of NASCAR racing, really. Mm-hmm. It's yep. the NASCAR racing world down there. And that's kind of where you go if you want to make it in asphalt racing or NASCAR. And so I moved down there, and I was um, Toyota. They have their own, like, gym where they do all kinds of stuff. You know, you work out, talk about nutrition. You kind of – that's where they have a lot of their meetings and whatnot. And that's kind of their headquarters. And then they have – Obviously, everyone has, like, their own simulator, you know, Forge Mm -hmm. and all that. And so I was living down there and getting to, like, put in laps on the simulator. And it doesn't matter who you are. You know, Kyle Busch is there. Eric Jones at the time when he was in the 20 car. You know, it's just really cool to kind of be exposed to that if you never really knew anything about it. Mm -hmm. And suddenly you're there living it and being there with everyone else. And this is in like the super secret bunker that's buried 400 feet below ground encased in 30 feet of concrete. Um, I would imagine they're they're pretty hush-hush about what goes on there. They're pretty hush-hush about it, or they were before anyways. Mm-hmm. Now a, a lot more, I think they're really getting it. Like they, um, they do a lot of their media stuff there and they're posting more about it. Um, they've really turned their gym into something cool that like they – share photos of everybody working out there that maybe they do a video for um, one of their sponsors there. They do things like that, that they're posting out a little bit more about now. Cause obviously a lot of people know about it now and it's, it's just really cool to see all of the jobs that go into that. I think about that a lot and that, you know, they have to have somebody who is their job is specifically for doing media marketing, sure. all of that kind of stuff. And then, you have people where it's important for you should just be a machine. They can control the car if they can make you the best possible in every way. You know, with your, it gets very hot in a race car. If you're really focusing on your health, your hydration, everything like that, trying to minimize mistakes as possible. Oh, well, we lost the race because our driver got worn out or, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, things like that that, it really kind of opens your eyes if you've never really thought about aspects like that and what what all they put time and money into to making an effort to really kind of be a machine in a way, right? whether you're a driver or not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I never hardly ever talk about NAPCAR unless I'm talking bad about it, but what do you think about uh, those boys running on dirt this year? I think it's going to be really cool. They're, uh, they have a race at Knoxville with the trucks, and I think that's always really really cool because i think like um drivers like sheldon creed or Hayden mm-hmm. Egan that are in the truck series you almost kind of expect them to be up front just because of their yeah. backgrounds in dirt but also i think it's really cool to see how maybe it's an it's a way for asphalt drivers to also showcase their sure. talents in that they maybe haven't done this before but mm-hmm. how well they can adapt to that like um chase elliott he's been in the news a lot for oh, yeah. getting into a midget and Honestly, kudos to him for doing that because a lot of NASCAR drivers maybe don't want to do that. Well, it, could, it could make them look bad, right, uh, exactly. really. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the biggest difference that I've noticed between dirt and asphalt is that it's a lot harder to carry a car in asphalt. You, um, you're kind of only as good as your equipment is. Mm-hmm. You can make up speed, but not in the way that you can with right. a dirt car. Right. A talent and, carries a car a lot more in dirt. Obviously, and, you still have to be... You have to be pretty good with yeah, your equipment. Yeah, and a great example of that is Daytona. Um, how many first-time NASCAR winners won Daytona? Yeah. I mean, because basically, you put it to the floor, you stay on the guy's bumper, and you stay out of trouble, and those are the guys that, it, you know, attrition. I mean, we saw what happened this last Daytona. Half yeah. the field was wiped out in and, and, and about a 15-hour race, but... Um, yeah, they're the guys that get that first win, but it's a little bit different on a short track, and it's way different on dirt. I mean, yeah, your setup, your equipment, and all of that is big, but it's between the steering wheel and the seat that's just as big, if not bigger. Yeah, and that's another thing, too, that there is a whole, there's so much more practice. Everything's 
longer in NASCAR mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from the putting in time on the simulator, putting in laps, practicing. Then you get to the track and you practice for four hours. And yeah. The races are so long. And that's one thing that um, from some of my friends, from what they've talked about, um, just getting to visit with some of those guys that are converting from NASCAR and they're coming to the dirt world a little bit. Everything's such a, a fast pace. It's it's now. Mm-hmm. You, you make it, you know, you like Chase is saying, you know, you don't think about making a move. You know, I'll follow a guy for two laps and think about how I'm going to pass him. You just pass him. That's yep. just what you do. It's there. You got to do it. It's instant. And so I think it's just a really, when you compare the two worlds, it's a really neat comparison as far as how different the racing is, even though both of you, you know, say I'm standing next to a NASCAR driver. Well, we're both racing, but we're racing in such different ways that we're the same, but also it's very, very different. And I think it's cool to be able to kind of get a viewpoint from both of those worlds. And man, it just makes me love dirt racing a whole yeah. lot more. Oh, yeah. Um, what do you think? We had mentioned Kyle Larson. I don't know if you saw any of the races or the World of Outlaws here last year, but um, I don't know if you were in town or not, but that dude can drive anything. Yeah. Um, and, and like Paul attested to here a couple of weeks ago, didn't Kyle win the Kentucky Derby too? Because he can, <laughs> I mean, the guy can get in anything. And, and if you watch him, I uh, watch him at River City Speedway. They didn't do a lot to their car uh, throughout the night. It's just like he just gets in and goes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember what I remember watching that race. He made, he, uh, he got, he actually went through the infield and mm-hmm. lost a lot of ground on, I believe it was Logan Schuhart. Yep. And I don't think I've ever seen anybody drive that car, drive any car, for a matter of fact, into one and two as hard as he did. Yeah. Just to make up that ground and then pass him. I mean, that was something where also I was just like, wow, what did I just witness? You know, that was crazy. And to, you know, the fact that the World of Outlaws are racing at River Cities and everybody just got to witness that when obviously having one of the greatest years in all forms of motorsports mm-hmm. with a midget sprint car, all forms of racing. I mean, it was just incredible to be able to watch and, you know, not everybody gets to witness talent right. like that in the it, raw form. It's funny because I was sitting next to Johnny Gibson uh, up at the booth and, you know, Johnny gets pretty excited. He went up even like three more octaves more than he normally does. And it was to the point I thought for a second he had lost all oil pressure because he was he was screaming so loud. There was like no noise. It was just. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of the best races I've seen uh, probably ever. Uh, Presley Truidson in the studio today here on a Dirty Thursday. We're just going to take a quick little break here. Uh, you know, if you're looking uh, like you maybe maybe need an oil change in your car, your vehicle right now, uh, get over to Valvoline Instant Oil Change at Grand Forks. Uh, really, there's basically no wait time. I drive up there. I usually get brought right in. They're going to change your oil while you sit in your vehicle. Maybe you want to go do a little bit of shopping. You can do that, too. And... um You know, while they're doing that, they're also going to check your fluids, your cabin air filter, your wiper blades, your head and your taillights, your battery, your tires. And they also do tranny and coolant flushes, and you don't need an appointment. It's timely service that won't slow you down. You can sit in your vehicle. And here's the deal. You mentioned GFBS. They'll give you an additional 7 bucks off your oil change, all right? If you can't leave work and you live in Grand Forks, they'll come and pick your vehicle up, too. They're locally owned and operated. They're open seven days a week. They are fast. Valvoline Instant Oil Change. They're at 3325 South 38th Street, or you can call them up at 701-780-8462, but make sure you tell them Grant Fork's best source sent you. Uh, again, thanks to all the people watching so far. Presley Truitson on the show. Um, I want to know this. Uh, you, you've been all over uh, your racing career for being such a young girl, a uh, young lady. Uh, where all have you raced? Oh, my gosh. I, I would have to spend some time putting in the effort to uh, – think about everywhere I've raced it's I've been to a lot of states I've raced in a lot of different states and a lot of different tracks throughout many states and oh my gosh I don't even know most of the I would say most of the midwest and then a few places on each coast Mm -hmm. and then obviously (laughs) the great north I haven't been to um the south a whole lot though like Texas or Mississippi or Georgia or anything like that and I wish all the, you know, obviously they're getting a, a lot of snow and pretty cold right now. Yeah, but. yeah. Oh, wow, 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 right? <laughs> um, do you got a, a a dream track that's on your bucket list? I don't know. 
Probably Eldora. Yeah. I think Eldora oh, yeah. is one of the favorites. It's, it's fast, it's big, it's scary. Or it can be anyways, but I think that would be one of the cool ones. It's produced a lot of great racing, and I think I've just been to a lot of them. So obviously, you know, you have a short list of ones that would be great to race at. I think Eldora would be one. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, of course, my favorite track, along with Johnny Gibson's, is River City Speedway. And, uh, you know, you are the first female to win a feature at River City Speedway. <laughs> Had to do that. Did you realize at the time you were, like, breaking ground? I mean, that's, like, a huge deal. I didn't. I Honestly, I, I don't even think about stats like that when I really go into races, per se, just because... I think it's almost in a way I've been kind of desensitized to it just because for a lot of places it that's kind of common that mm-hmm. you're the first, you know, woman to do something there and I think for me it was just about going in and winning the race. You know, I wanted to win the race and I think it was one of those races that was critical for winning the championship. So my my mind was definitely focused on that aspect more than anything and uh it kind of shocked me a little bit, honestly. I I figured for sure there had been somebody else, you know. It I don't even remember what year it was, probably 2016 or 17, I think. Man, how how can that be, you know? How yeah. can I really be the first woman to win at River Cities? That's crazy. But I think it's been really cool to do that because since then, I think Kelsey has won a few. You know, there's mm-hmm. been more females to win yep. at that track. And I think that's really cool. I think it's not really groundbreaking, I wouldn't say, but I think for a lot of the younger kids, I, you know, there's always so many kids at River Cities. I think that's probably one of the tracks that I've been at where little kids are the most prominent. I think yeah. it's so awesome to see so many of the families getting out to River Cities and bringing their kids down after the races and getting to walk through the pits and meet all the drivers. I think that is super awesome. So I think looking back on it now, I think it was really awesome to be able to win and kind of thinking about all of the kids that really mm-hmm. showed up at our pits after I did that. I think it's awesome to see like, Hey, you know, they're getting exposed to something that maybe they wouldn't think about a grown man winning, you know, it's just another grown man winning and they wouldn't even think twice about it. But to be able to relate a little bit more to me, I think is super cool and just kind of be something that they could maybe think about that night and really stick out in their memory. You know, I always talk to guys um, about their feelings and their thoughts after the race uh, when the kids do come down and, and you can see the look on their face. And if, if, if you let them sit in the car and take pictures and all of that stuff, and they're just in awe, I mean, they're in race heaven for being a kid. Were you one of those kids growing up? Oh, absolutely. I remember, I think my favorite thing about the races was, getting those little water tattoos to put on mm-hmm. your, your body. I was like, man, I've, I've got a Mark Dobmeyer tattoo on my arm. <laughs> Pretty I soon think, you got a sleeve. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that was the coolest thing, just being able to sit in someone's car and, you know, get to hold the steering wheel. And I, I probably didn't even know a lot of the driver's names at the time. And I, a lot of them are actually retired now that, mm-hmm. you know, I think about now and I'm like, man, if I could have raced against them, you know, they were, they were really good and that would have been really fun. But at the time, you're just a kid, and you think it was cool. I got to go to the races. I got to see everybody race, and you know, I get to talk to a lot of drivers. That obviously now we have a personal relationship, and it's it's just really cool to be like, hey, they're you know, growing up, those are my idols, and now they're they're my friends. And yeah, it's, it's definitely it's a shift, but man, it's cool. And I hope that the kids coming in the future to the races, I hope they get to have kind of that same change in that relationship as I did. Uh, we got a text from Carrie. So glad to see women in racing. I have a couple of young nieces that are always amazed that girls can race. And what I'm amazed about right now, Presley, because it's funny when we met you, uh, you and your dad, uh, before we started the show, I said, I'm sorry. Uh, the eighties was hard on me. Have I ever interviewed you in victory lane or anything? And I don't feel so bad because you couldn't remember either. <laughs> uh, but what amazes me about you is, you're so well-versed. How many of these interviews have you done? Because you act like this is just a regular Thursday for you. I don't know. I Honestly, counting, it probably hasn't been that many. But I think just part of it is that everything that we're, pri- we're privileged to talk about is that it's something that I'm so passionate about and I love. And to be able to kind of 
put that out for everybody else to maybe hear and get to see. And um, obviously, Toyota did a lot of training mm-hmm. with us and mm-hmm. whatnot and mock interviews and everything like that. And, you know, getting to interview with Jamie Little and I'm going, man. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, that was, that was a really cool day for me. But at the same time, you know, as far every interviewer is the same, whether I'm talking to Jamie Little or I'm talking to you or whoever, it doesn't matter. It's kind of all the same in that we're all putting out a message and I hope it reaches those same people no matter what. And I don't know. I, I don't think I get very nervous about things and that you kind of just have to look at it like this is just another Thursday. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, we've had Hall of Famers on the show that were scared out of their minds to do this. And in fact, uh, um, I won't mention any names, Wade Nygaard. Um, <laughs> he, he was scared to death to come on the show until I told him, we'll have Bush Light. Oh, well, maybe I'll just take the whole day off then. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, it's pretty easy stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I, got, I got a question for you too. So uh, are you still running the same car that they did in the 80s? Because the, like the, the Camry, you know, they, they, just, they just won't <laughs> die. Yeah. So like, is it, uh, they just put new tires on it or what? Yeah, got 358,000 miles on it. I hope they've developed new equipment since then. I hope it's a little bit better engineered. Oh, it's, still, it's still got the electronic seatbelt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Get hung up in that thing all the time. Um, this is a question, uh, Presley, that I ask every driver that's been on the show. Um, best night on a racetrack. Have you, do you have one in mind? Man, I don't know. Obviously, you have certain wins that come to mind. I think, um, honestly, probably my favorite one um, was when I won the Lightning Sprint Nationals in 2016. Not because I even won, but just because at that race, I just remember it being such a fun trip overall. We uh, we kind of traveled down to um, Eagle, Nebraska as a as a group, as the NLSA. And we were racing against other cars where they had bigger motors. They were on alcohol. And uh, if you don't know a lot about racing, that definitely makes a big difference Mm -hmm. versus racing against a 1,000cc on pump gas. There's a huge difference in performance there. But at the same time, obviously, we proved it not to be because Mm -hmm. I, I think as a club, we finished really well. I think we first and second or third, I mean, I think we won the whole weekend, I'm pretty sure. And uh, I think it was just, for me, getting to race against, obviously, my mentor, Rick Hench. Mm-hmm. I got to race against him. And racing against a guy who built the car that I'm driving, and obviously we've had many conversations with since then about maybe you know, improving certain things. He designed a new chassis and doing a bit of development work with him. I think it was probably the coolest thing for me was getting to race against all these people that in the lightning sprint racing were heroes of mine. You know, Mm -hmm. man, I hear about this guy. He's really good, but he's racing somewhere else in the country. And for all of us across the country, there are um, clubs from California, from Indiana, from all sorts of all over the place. And we all kind of met at a track. None of us had ever really raced at. And Eagle Raceway is one of my favorite tracks. Actually, I think it was, I think Kyle Larson won at that track when the World of Outlaws went there. And I just remember going, man, it was it was cool to me that I even got to win a race at a track that he did, you know, with the World of Outlaws. And not that it's the same, but also racing on that same track and you feel like you're racing against your heroes. That was the coolest thing for me. And then obviously the winning, that felt pretty good. Too. Sure, I getting bet. To, getting to prove yourself against a lot of grown men in the yeah, country. And yeah. I don't even remember how old I was. I think it was... 14. You ever, you ever feel like just going, nee, 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 I beat you. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing you aren't that type of person. No, there were a lot of, there were a few guys upset though. They were not happy. They were convinced I was cheating and all, all oh, sorts gosh. of things. And, but that's what you're there for. Yep, you know? yep, they yep. have tech. I'm, Prove them wrong. Tear mm-hmm. down my motor. And then I would do the knee, 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 knee. Uh, Lori says, such a lovely person, great role model and spokesman for racing. John. Uh, women so good for the sport and major respect to those that do it sport needs more good luck this season uh, and thank you guys for texting in uh, I want to jump up now before I almost forgot about it uh, you get into the outlaw sprints the four tens yeah now you talk about a change from lightnings to midgets 
And now you're in one of these things, 1,200 horsepower, whatever they got now, and you yeah. got the wings and the downforce and, and total freaky butt speed. How big of a transition was that for you? Honestly, I felt really comfortable. I think just because it was a mix of the lightning sprint and that the fundamentals are the same. You have to be really smooth, but also from the midget, you have to race really hard. Mm-hmm. You just have to drive really hard with these cars. And I think that's one of the greatest things, though, is that, you know, when you're racing, the outlaws are the best of the best. That's the reason, you know, they go throughout the country and Mm -hmm. they're so dominant. You know, Donnie Schatz is probably the most dominant driver in the, well, he is the most dominant driver in the outlaws right now. Since Steve. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that he's, he's from Fargo, he's up here and this is kind of where he grew up racing and just getting to kind of think, hmm. You know, someone else came from here, and obviously not that I'm Donnie Schatz, but mm-hmm. just the fact that there's so much talent that is up here, it's just really cool to kind of start to be a part of that. And I think the transition almost felt a lot more natural for me. Sure. Just because, you know, it's what I always grew up watching and getting, you know, eventually I want to be here. I want to be racing at these guys and getting to watch great races at river cities you know the track has changed its character a lot since Mm -hmm. then and the fact that these guys are always kind of adapting to that and obviously with the changes you know the outlaws still come back and it's so many people's favorite track it's just really really cool and i think for all of those reasons it just it really feels natural and i'm i'm just really excited to see what we can we can do uh by the way wade nygaard um he did correct me he said, not scared, just shy. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I asked you, Presley, about your, your best night on the racetrack. Um, I, I maybe know where you're going to go with this next question, but what about your worst night? I don't know. I don't know if I really have any worse. I mean, I have. There's been a few bad ones. I think probably my last worst night at the track was definitely when I flipped in, um, I believe we were in Oklahoma. And anytime you just get hurt or, you know, more than anything, I feel like you let your team down. You know, all those other guys mm-hmm. are busting their butts just for you to go out there and be your best. And anytime that doesn't happen, you almost hurt more for those guys than you do sure. for yourself. And so I think just not getting those guys maybe the recognition or the justice that they deserve is always tough. But anytime you get hurt, you know, that's the that's your worst fear in anything, you know, any nights like those. But you I know, guess it's different for everybody on what their definition of worst is. But. Sure. Um, when you talk about getting hurt, uh, concussion. Yeah. Uh, last year, uh, not just a, it was a pretty good bump to the head, oh, wasn't yeah. it? Oh, yeah, I got my bell rung. <laughs> yeah, do you remember it all? Yeah, I remember a lot of it. Um, I don't remember much, actually, probably after I got done racing. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I, I put my shirt on backwards and my watch on upside down and i thought hmm yeah this is this is probably a good sign that i'm i'm not really right and yeah definitely everything afterwards i was like oh yeah you know if you've had a few concussions you kind of you know the symptoms and you know look at me yeah Yeah. you you start to know you know you just feel foggy or different Mm -hmm. for me it was a matter of you know talking with what luckily with a lot of the resources from Toyota, getting to see Dr. Petty down in Charlotte and doing a bunch of tests and scans and whatnot. And just, you know, you really have to think, you know, they have lasting effects and I don't want to be like this forever. Mm -hmm. If you want to race your best, you obviously have to be very sharp and very on point with everything you're doing. And for me and then for my competitors, obviously if you're going out and not doing your best, you know, talking with other drivers who maybe shared that same experience. I'm young, you know, you have to, you have to kind of make that decision for mm-hmm. your future self down the road. Yeah. Um, how long did it take you to get over it? Are you over it? Are you, are oh, you, yeah. is Presley back at a hundred percent now? <laughs> yeah, I'm back, but it just, it, it takes a while. It mm-hmm. really does take a while for your brain to heal and you have to nutrition, you know, taking supplements. There are a lot of things for obviously are important and were preached to me a lot at Toyota. So, uh, you know, taking away things like that, life lessons like that, people don't maybe, you know, they might think it's not important, but 
you at the end of the day you're living with yourself every day and you have to you have to deal with that and so to be able to go hmm you know I'm not performing my best I'm still foggy it's just not fair to me or others that I just continue to put myself through that and heal up get better especially with corona I feel like it made that a lot easier you know races getting canceled you know unsure about western swings and things like that it it made it feel like I wasn't missing out on so much which I think helped a lot you know was there like you know remember you got the you got the little angel on one shoulder and the little devil on the other shoulder yeah one's one of them saying you need to heal the other one's saying screw that you need to race no you need to heal you need to race you need to rest you need to race was that a difficult time for you it wasn't for me just because there's no point in racing if you're not completely mm-hmm. it. it feels like a wasted race. And so obviously it is hard. I mean, any racer at heart, you, you want to be racing no matter what. But at the end of the day, I thought, hmm, 50-year-old me is probably going to want to go back in time and kick my butt if I don't listen to everyone else telling me that that probably isn't the best idea. Heal up. You can mm-hmm. always come back to it. Sure. And so I think for me and then obviously like I – after that, I think they came out with like an article about it. And obviously a lot of other drivers that I've talked to and sent me personal messages and, you know, kudos to what you're doing. You know, I wish I would have done that when I was younger. I did, I did the opposite of what you're choosing to do. And I just continued racing and man, I really regret it. And for, for all of those reasons, it kind of made my decision a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can tell you this, you're way too young to be thinking about 50-year-old me. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I've been, uh, I did the motorcycles, snowmobiles, dabbled in cars and stuff a little bit, and um, I've been beat up a lot. I've been in the hospital a lot, had a lot of operations, and they kept telling me, oh, you wait till you're 50, and I would just chuckle. Ah, yeah. ah I'd laugh at them. Yeah. Well, I'll be 56 next week, and yeah. they are not wrong. Yeah. Uh, believe me, I wish, I wish, I wish I, I you have the same attitude I did. Now the question everybody, I'm sure, is wondering, oh, by the way, Darren Vattenstall says, keep up the good work, Presley. It's fun to follow you. Uh, Thank thank you you for the text. Plans for this season, what's going to happen with Presley Truitson? You got a schedule figured out, you know, or are you going to be jumping around different classes, different cars, or let's kind of go through a little run through this next season. We're going 410 racing at Knoxville. Oh, boy. It'll be pretty fun. Knoxville's a very historic track. Mm Mm-hmm. It's super cool. I mean, obviously, the Knoxville Nationals, that's kind of the Daytona 500 of 410 sprint car racing. Yeah. And so I think it'll, I don't know if I'm going to do that race, but I think it'll be really cool just to be able to kind of get things started there and that, you know, you're getting to race against a lot of people that you, you, same deal. You grow up watching, Mm -hmm. you're your heroes, and then all of a sudden you're there and it's really cool, but. Are are you going to be moving back up here? Are you gonna you gonna reside in Knoxville uh, this summer, or what? Do you have any plans there? I'm actually I'm living in Brownsburg, Indiana. Okay, and I just moved there, and then actually, um, what I do during the week is I just started a job with Hayward Motorsports. Okay, and so for any of you that don't know, they're uh, a race team. Uh, Chris Windham is their driver, and I've actually gotten to be um, pretty good friends with Chris just over the course of kind of living in Indianapolis now and um, join their team and getting to work in the shop. And I think the biggest thing for me is that in order to be the, to the best of your ability, as far as a driver, I just want to learn more. I just Mm want to work on things and learn more and really know every aspect of what I'm driving. I think that only can make you a better driver. And then also, um, with Chili Bowl this past year, um, I worked for Rams Racing, which is a midget team, um, which it, the owners are Rick Young and Jeff Taylor. And they brought me on board, and they were they are super awesome. You know, they're, they're just one of those guys who, same deal, they love the sport. They're all about it. And they're just there to have a good time and win and everything like that. You know, they, they've had a lot of drivers mm-hmm. who have been very successful. And so I'll also be going on the road with them for certain midget races this year. Okay. So a little, a little bit of both. Yeah. Obviously it's still hard with Corona, you know, yeah. you have yeah. a tentative schedule, but at the same time, you know, tracks, 
tracks cancel, certain things happen. I hate that know. word tentative. <laughs> yeah. I just hate it. Yeah. So uh, we'll we'll see what the what the schedule ends up being this year, but we have a pretty good idea of what it is now, but you know, state regulations change. Mm-hmm, sure. Obviously things happen, so Do you know when your next race is then? I believe the first one is coming up in April. Okay. Uh, uh, down in Knoxville? No. Yeah. yeah well, they're going to start that yeah. early. They're going to try to. Uh, they, April, almost May. Yeah, because they usually start earlier and end earlier yeah. than like we do up here. Uh, people in the karting world are watching, by the way. Uh, bring on the season. We can't wait to watch you kick butt this year. That's from Brett. Uh, you probably know Brett. Yeah. Um, are we going to get to see you at River City Speedway at all this year? I don't know. I think it just depends on how schedules kind of work out, but I sure hope so. I want I want to race up here again. Mm-hmm. I, I really do miss it. It's fun, and especially just when you do get to come back and race, it's so fun getting to see everybody. And kind of afterwards, it it just feels like home again. Sure, you know, it's it's such a fun environment to kind of step back into, and even some new faces. You know, mm-hmm. ho- hopefully we get to see new faces this year at the track. I think that would be really exciting. Okay, I got three questions for you. Um, Question number one, who helps you with your cars in this whole Presley Truitts and racing thing? Oh, so many people. Honestly, first, I have to thank John Stangram. He, I, we actually just talked to him today. He's, I think he's transporting one of the cars right now, so I think it'll, it'll be pretty fun. He's super excited about it, and it's, it is always fun when you, know, you talk to sponsors and they're just as excited, if not more excited than you, to kind of get things going and that is one of the greatest things about racing, I think, is that anytime anyone, you know, pops into the trailer or even at the shop or anything like that, getting to see someone else's face light up mm-hmm. and have that same passion, that same energy about it that you do, that is, I mean, it's so awesome. It's, it's priceless, really. You know, not a lot of people get to do that maybe if they only come to the races as a fan and they only kind of see one, one side of it and they, you know, you had a good night or you wrecked your car, mm-hmm. you know. They don't get to see all the hours every racer puts into the, you know, long hours at night and early mornings in the shop and everything like that. You know, if you work a nine to five job, all of the time and that you put in everywhere else, I think it's really cool just to be able to have people who support you in doing that and that maybe try to make that a little bit easier for you. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a lot of the locals here in Grand Forks, they know a lot about that. You know, you have a lot of sponsorship within grand forks and i think it's so awesome between the track and all the drivers that kind of gets shared you know home of economy you know you hear about a lots of lots of places within grand forks that you know maybe you notice them because they sponsor a couple cars Mm -hmm. and things like that i think it is probably honestly one of the coolest things about Mm -hmm. racing um how much of an influence has the old man been on your racing (laughs) You would say he probably has the biggest influence. Yeah. I got to give him some credit. I was starting to feel bad. I was waiting for you to thank him yeah. too. Um, <laughs> no, I think it's, know, he kind of likes to, to kind of lay under the radar a little yeah. bit, doesn't he? Yeah. I think he, he likes to play pity and say, oh, I'm only known as Presley's dad. But, you know, without him, I wouldn't be doing any of this. I think really with the whole start of things, you know, just starting out as a family, you know, we those were our only intentions. It wasn't about winning championships or, you know, becoming any sort of prominent racer. It was, it was just to have fun and Mm -hmm. really have spend time as a family and have a reason to go on a trip and get to do all these things. And I think at the end of the day that that's why most of us do a lot of that still. Okay. You know, uh, so so, I mean, I just kind of got into the the racing thing since we started this show because, uh, you know, obviously of what we do and I got to tell you, I mean, it's, it's awesome when you start to know like what the, who the racers are starting to know the different uh, cars that they're running. And then when you get into the pits and you actually see them up close and everything, and then just the, like you said, the community that's like around everybody before that, I mean, cause I grew up here and I never really went to the speedway. And then this last year, I mean, I'm trying to get there every weekend just because it is, I mean, it is so fun. I kept everybody telling them. so great. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's a bit overwhelming at first, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. It's a lot of information to take in. You know, I, I think about that a lot, actually just, you know, man, what would it be like to be somebody who really doesn't know anything or hasn't been exposed to any sort of maybe any form of motorsports, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't watch NASCAR, you don't watch IndyCar or anything like that. And it's a lot to take in, but I think once you kind of 
start to understand, you know, maybe learn a few familiar faces and connect some names and whatnot, it, it ends up just kind of being a family environment for so many people. Yeah, and even when you mentioned like the sponsors, it's a, uh, you know, at the time when I saw them, you know, tearing around the track and stuff, when I just wasn't ever really paying attention to racing, I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, you see sponsors on cars. The yellow car is doing good. But now, I mean, you you know, you go up to a car and you're like, oh, you drive the home of economy car. Or, you drive, you know, and then you, you, you put those two and two together and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. all the, you know, it, everything just starts to click. And I mean, it's just, it's super cool. Uh, I think we're turning him into a race fan. <laughs> yeah. I want to um, get behind one, but I probably yeah. crash it because I can't even drive my own car. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got uh, people watching from Florida. Tori says hi, by the way. <laughs> Um, okay, two more questions. You got any sponsors you want to thank? Yeah, JMS Motorsports. Obviously, I better throw Taz Electric in there second, or I'll hear about it the whole ride home. <laughs> and then, actually, I really want to thank Brian Sunby just for everything he is doing with the cars. I mean, he's he's kind of the genius behind all of that. He's the one who sets them up and really knows the most about putting cars together and how to make them go fast at Knoxville and. It, it's really cool, I think, especially for me, to be able to learn from people like that. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, you have to take away as much information as you can when sure. you do that. Sure, got to be a sponge. Yeah, exactly. And so I think more than anything, a lot of it is just the mentorship that you get from so many different people. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really cool. You know, not that everyone you meet, you think, hmm, what can I take away from this? You know, how much information can I get out of them? But not setups or anything like that, but just what you learn, whether it's life lessons or on track, off track lessons, just things like that. Donnie Schatz always tells me, you'll never know enough. And yep. it's, it's true, though. Yeah, it's, never, that is true. You never will know enough. It mm-hmm. really you is. learn every day. Yeah. Uh, we got one last text here from Laurel. Uh, worked with Presley in the pits at River Cities a couple years before I stepped away. She's one focused young lady. Nice job on your interview. Thank, Thank you. you for the text. I uh, got one more question for you, and this is going to be so weird for me, Presley, because I'm not used to asking this question to somebody as young as you are. How do you want to be remembered when the day comes that you step away from racing? How do you want to be remembered as a race car driver? I don't know. I think it's everybody's own interpretation, right? You know, obviously you have run-ins at the track. Not everyone's going to have a <laughs> a good memory mm-hmm. of you, but I don't know. I don't. I don't ever really have that in mind because I think whatever people kind of take away, they, they will. And I guess I hope would just be that I really just think about all of the young kids at the track, you know, I hope they look back and go, man, it was, it was cool. Uh, You know, maybe I, she let me sit in her car, you know, they get to Mm -hmm. take away something that they'll remember for the rest of their life. You know, I always think about Brian Clausen a lot, you know, he's a driver that has now passed, but the impact he made and that every, you know, people talk about, you know, I watched Brian race this race and whatnot. And it's just things like that, that you really remember, you know, man, it was a privilege to get to maybe know them or talk to them or even just watch them race or see how they interacted with other fans. I think that's the coolest thing. And I just hope people are happy when they think about me. You know, I just, Mm -hmm. I hope there's that sense of happiness or even if it's only for a little moment, you know, you have something to take away from that, and it's it's a good response. You know, you've got a great head on your shoulders. Um, when If you can make it back up here, uh, please get a hold of me a couple weeks in advance because we definitely want you back on a Dirty Thursday show <laughs> yeah. again. Uh, I'm so hoping that we get to see you at the River City Speedway this year. Me too. Um, this is probably, I mean, I've interviewed a lot of big-time guys, racers and, and stuff, and I think I've probably enjoyed this one more than anything. <laughs> um, you don't get too many people your age as well versed as you. Take that, Wade I'm sure he'll text back. But yeah. um, again, thank you for making the trip up, uh, yeah, Todd. Thank thanks you. for for coming up, you guys. Uh, this has just been a treat for me. Um, I can't wait to do it again. Thank you yeah, again. Thank you. Uh, there you go. That is Presley Truitson. Uh, be watching for her. She's going to be running down at Knoxville uh, this year. Uh, next week, by the way, Heather McDonald and Nolan Olmstead from Devil's Lake Speedway are going to be on the show. We're going to be talking about their new schedule that has been released. And a special thanks going out to Rumor Sports Bar and Casino. Uh, oh, they got so much stuff going on at Rumors. In fact, today,
today. If you're looking for lunch, check out their express lunch. It's a $6 lunch. Uh, Thursday, that's today. They got the hot hamburger with uh, French fries smothered in gravy, and it's only 6 bucks. Also, $5 for any sandwich with fries today. Uh, also, home of the world-famous beer tower. You can watch UND hockey. Uh, bingo, charitable gaming. Maybe you want to bet on the horses. Watch UND Hockey. It's wall-to-wall TVs in there. We love BT. We love Jake. We love Scott. We love them all at Rumor Sports Bar and Casino. And thanks to the guys right across the hall for helping you get this show here on tonight. Oh, hey, don't forget. Wow, this is new. We're live on the website now. How about that? You just go to gfbestsource.com, and there you go. The show is on. Hey, tomorrow, we're going to be a little bit late tomorrow. The show will be on at noon. We're bringing in live music back to the studio. Rap artist Heavy Lod is going to be joining us. Make sure you like us. Make sure you share us and make sure you tag us too. You know, Grand Forks is great. Grand Forks' best source is giving it its identity again.